When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. To us. Fires. Touchdown, Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we're going to hear from some more players who we did not get a chance to cover their audio from last week practices. We're going to talk about the deep ball. We'll give you some interesting facts on that, as well as this Dolphins team from the NFL Research Training Camp Packet. And we're going to take another trip to the recommendation station from somewhere in South Florida. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So I wanted to start here with something that seems to always be a topic on social, and maybe we are due to queue up the scanning the social segment for this, but it became a topic that both Coach McDaniel and Tua Tungavailoa himself talked about on Thursday. So now I want to talk about it, and I'm not even here to interject my analysis or my opinions. Unless this is your first episode of Drive Time, you know what those are in regards to the ability to throw with anticipation and accuracy 40 to 50 to 60 yards down the football field. In fact, once upon a time, I posted this clip to the old tweeter. Low snap, collects it, looks downfield, running free, Jim the sign of things to come for the talented tied freshman out of Houston. Watch the receiver Judy right here work across the middle, which occupies the middle safety. Take the safety away, open up the middle, and it takes time. Good job by the offensive line. Occupies the middle safety. Anticipation. Look at where this receiver is before this ball even comes out from Tua right here. He's already seeing him cross face. If he's even, he's leaving. Let it fly. Anticipation's how you hit big plays. Take the safety away. Open up the middle. It takes time. Good job by the offensive line. And the true freshman extends at 5'10", 170. And then the clip just sort of ends. And since we are an audio platform, and what this is, is a throw from Tua's first career start in college to Phenom freshman wide receiver, you might have heard of him, Jalen Waddell. And on the play, 
a post-cross combo to the field. The slot runs off the safety with an over route, and Waddle gets a two-way go on his outside corner, releases outside, and 15 yards downfield crosses back across face to open space in the middle of the football field. Tua, from a good pocket, steps up, drives the ball down the middle, and Waddle has a 50-yard gain. And that's what I saw this week in practice, or last week, I should say. All right, that's enough of my angle. So... When Mike McDaniel says this, you can only design plays that you can, the quarterback has time to throw. And generally, within the time of the play, from a historical perspective, you can't get a receiver down the field past, I don't know, 55, 60 yards when in what we call one hitch timing. So it's about, you have to have a prerequisite arm strength to be able to throw it 60 in my opinion and then if you're not going to be able to anticipate and you have to see something happen before you do it you probably need to throw 70 because you have to wait to see it and then the receiver gets down further hopefully you have the protection um the way way we've always operated since 2005 when i got got in the league is if a quarterback can see the defense um, and is accurate, then you just see if he can throw it 60 yards. I think he, he might have had a 55-yarder today, but um, that's why you hear no uh, cause for concern at all from the players because they know that too. Like he's, he's plenty fast, and the great thing is he sees the field. Um, he has, he's, he's not throwing the ball 85 yards, but um, I don't see the practical application of an 85-yard thrower unless you have the best offensive line in the history of football. And a defense is poor to, um, poor to uh, add on rushers um, when you're max protecting. I mean, I don't know. You have this head coach, a 17-year PhD level understanding of the game, an offensive mind who I think he knows what he's talking about. And you have two us teammates talking about it. And you have the numbers to back up the film. And by the way, in case we forget, <clears throat> this guy had the most prolific deep passing season in the history of college football, he had the best YPA on passes plus 20 yards in that 2018 season, the only year in which he started every game for Bama because he didn't start as a freshman and missed a few games with the injury in 2019. Now, that season was surpassed in the 2019 season with the ridiculous LSU offense and Joe Burrow as far as the most prolific downfield passing season. But these are the most, the two most, I should say, prolific deep passing seasons in college football history when factoring in YPA and completion rate. Joe Burrow, 2019 LSU Tigers, 47 completions, 56.6% clip, 20.6 YPA, and then he had 26 touchdowns, two picks, and a 130.7 rating. But Tua's 2018 season, 32 completions, a 55.2% completion rate, a 20.9 YPA clip, so higher number there than Burrow's 2019 16 to 4 touchdown interception ratio or to turnover ratio and a 111.8 passer rating. And by the way, in 2019, Tua's not full season, 134.3 passer rating on passes 20 or more yards down the field, which was 3.6 points higher than the most prolific downfield passing season of all time that we just mentioned with Joe Burrow, and that for Tua was 19 completions, 48.7% completion, 18.1 yards per pass, 9-0 to touchdown-interception ratio, and that 134.3 passer rating. 
And this, I mean, th- that's it. And that's all I got to say. That's all I got to say about that. And it leads into our training camp quick hits here, which is a little bit more of that here. So I'm not completely finished on that from the NFL media research team, the fantastic research department they've got over there. And well, it's more data points on the long ball. So Tyreek Hill on passes 20 plus yards since 2017 ranks the following first with 139 targets. Second is Mike Evans with 120 targets first with 59 catches. Tyler Lockett is second with 55 catches first with 2,410 yards. Tyler Lockett is second with 1,986 yards first with 25 touchdowns. Tyler Lockett is second with 19. Lockett's pretty good, huh? You might ask yourself, Travis, what about the impact of Tyreek coming to a new team and a new quarterback? He had Patrick Mahomes, right? Well, NFL research gave us some data points on that too. He wasn't a starter for the Chiefs on offense in 2016, his rookie year. He did make the Pro Bowl as a return man that year and has made the Pro Bowl every season since. But 2017 was when he began to see starter snaps and the requisite production on offense. So Alex Smith was the Chiefs quarterback those two years, right? Let's put 2016 side by side with 2017 for Alex Smith and the ascension of Tyreek Hill. So 2016 versus 2017 pass attempts on deep balls, 44 compared to 59. They went 15 times, they went deeper 15 more times when Hill got included into the offense more. Completion percentage, 29.5% in 2016 to 49.2% in 2017, a 20% increase. That also led the National Football League, 49.2%. Remember that what I said that two was, was last year? 48.3%. If you're around 50, you're t- near the top of the league in that in that category. Passing yards per attempt, 10.3 in 2016, 21.2 in 2017. Doubled that number, more than doubled it. Pass touchdowns and interceptions, two and two. Two touchdowns, two picks. In 2017, 11 touchdowns, no picks. That led the NFL as well. Passer rating, 66.2, not very good, 134.7. Not the best in the league, second best in the NFL. He also, Alex Smith, in 2017, led the NFL in passer rating on all passes, 104.7. He also set career highs with 4,042 passing yards and 26 touchdowns. In 2016, he averaged 233.5 passing yards per game, 7.2 yards per clip, 15 touchdowns, 8 picks. That was a 91.2 passer rating. The next year when Tyreek Hill became you know, a full-time offensive player, He jumped over 36 yards in passing yards per game, 269.5, almost a full yard per attempt, 8.0 over 7.2. He threw nine more touchdowns, 26 compared to 15, and three less picks, five compared to eight, and that aforementioned 104.7 passer rating. Hill is the only player in the Super Bowl era with 50-plus receiving touchdowns, five-plus rushing touchdowns, and five-plus return touchdowns in his career. 56 touchdowns, 6 touchdowns, and 5 touchdowns receiving rushing return. The only player to do that all time was Hall of Famer Bobby Mitchell. How about on the other side? Jalen Waddell broke the rookie receptions record with 104 last year. We knew about that. 8th in the NFL in catches. His 86 receptions on passes 10 air yards and under was 2nd behind just Cooper Cup. His 647 receiving yards on passes 10 yards and under was fifth. And for what it's worth, I want to go ahead and round this out because you might say, well, all right, he's an underneath possession guy. You know that's not the case. We all know that's not the case because pro football focus, Waddle's final college season had him producing 329 yards on seven passes 
Seven targets of passes that were thrown 20 or more air yards. Deep balls. It's the theme of the day here. That was good for 47 yards per route ran. If you hear me on the podcast in season, we say that two yards per route ran is good. This is different because it's just on deep balls, but 47 yards per route ran. 329 yards on seven targets. And Pro Football Focus doesn't do qualifiers on their big boards. Like, for instance, he's number eight overall on that yards per route ran on deep passes stat. Numbers one through seven all had just one target. One target, one big catch. And of course, that gives you the big yards. It gives you the big efficiency. You miss one of those, that efficiency number is cut in half. Waddle had six more chances to have that number drastically reduced because he had seven targets and he caught six of them. The next player with that many deep targets on the yards per route ran list was Arkansas's Traylon Burks. We know him, first round pick a few months ago. He was 36th, Waddle was 8th, in yards per route ran with 29.92, catching 8 of 12 deep targets. Kadarius Toney, also a first round pick last year, had 9 targets that season for 29.6 yards per route ran. And the next is another Miami Dolphin from Ole Miss, UDFA, Braylon Sanders. He had as many targets, or I should say he was the next guy with as many targets as Waddle. He had 10 and caught 6 of them for a YPPR of 27.5. Again, Waddle, 47 yards per route ran. It's a crazy number. Outrageous, outrageous deep production. And to put a bow on that thought, he caught five of his six deep ball targets in 2019 with Tua, and in 2018, it was 10 for 13. So Waddle, in addition to those short passing number prowess, the short passing prowess, I should say, well, in college, he caught 21 out of 25 deep targets. Again, I use the word outrageous. That that is 84% completion. I just did the math on my own right there. It's not very hard, but 84% completion on balls 20 or more yards. That's Tua was breaking records with consecutive games with 80% completion on all throws, and that was largely done inside 10 yards. Waddle had 84% completion on balls thrown over 20 yards in college. What I'm trying to tell you is that he's a great deep receiver. Some more notes. Mike Gesicki's 1,483 receiving yards since 2020 are fifth most among tight ends. Just Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, and George Kittle have that beat. Chase Edmonds is one of six running backs since 2020 to have 1,000-plus rushing yards and 700-plus receiving yards. Pretty good. Then on defense, the Dolphins were a top 10 defense last year in takeaways, sacks, and passing touchdowns allowed. 26 takeaways was tied for 8th. 48 sacks was tied for 5th. And the 23 passing touchdowns allowed was tied for 6th. Individually, Xavier Howard's 27 picks are most in the NFL since he came into the league back in 2016. You all know that by now. Javon Holland had two picks, two and a half sacks, and 10 pass breakups. Those were all leading rookie safeties last year. Jalen Phillips, eight and a half sacks, was among was second among all rookies behind Micah Parsons and obviously the Dolphins' rookie record. And finishing up some notes here from the packet, just these splits from the first uh, weeks one through eight, 17.3 points per game for Miami, 29.1 points allowed per game. They ratchet those numbers up and down accordingly from weeks nine through 18, 22.6 points per game, a, what is that, 5.3 point increase, and then down to 15.6 points allowed per game. Almost cut that number in half. Hopefully that point progression can continue, and back to Tyreek Hill, he should help. He had his 6,489 scrimmage yards since 2017, our fifth most in the NFL, and number one among all receivers. His 55 total touchdowns since 2017, our second among receivers, Devontae Adams, 57. Mike McDaniels, or I was going to say his 49ers, Mike McDaniel and the 49ers led the NFL last year with 6.9 yak average last season. 
and Tyreek's Hill, Tyreek Hill's 2,511 yak yards since 2016 is fourth most among all receivers per next gen. So you see that marriage there kind of making plenty of sense, right? And then more Tua here. He's thrown into tight windows on 19.8% of his career pass attempts. That stat is tracked by the nearest defender within one yard of the receiver. That's the second highest rate since he came into the NFL in 2020. Joe Burrow's the number one guy in that category. And then more Tyreek, his 3.4 yards of separation per route since 2016 leads all NFL receivers with at least 300 targets. So some fun data there for you guys. We started and ended with the quarterback there. We had QB1's media availability on the Thursday slash Friday podcast last week. Let's go ahead and get to what we missed. Everything you didn't hear here on Drive Time, hear, here from last week of OTAs on the Drive Time podcast. That's next. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Let's go ahead and pick it back up here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast with Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard. You know who he is. He doesn't need any introduction. And originally, I wanted to get audio from everybody that talked at each day of OTAs, but I think this is a better way to do it. We were over 30 minutes on each of the last two podcasts, and now we have plenty of time for a third. Let's go ahead and start with Xavier Howard. And the overarching theme of OTA, or the Q&A, I should say, was just how happy he is. And he said that multiple times, saying he's happy where he's at right now, how he's happy to be here and at peace. He reiterated that a few times. As for the audio, let's go ahead and start with him talking about working with a pair of legends, Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan in that defensive back room. Man, it's been great. You know, um, I was talking to them during the offseason. I was talking to Sam and Patrick, you know, um, guys. They they legendary here. So, you know, just want to learn from them guys and just try to pick their brain. I really just can't get over the fact that X and Byron are in the same room as Sam and Pat now. It's so wild to me. And that impact is obviously more than just those two guys who, you know, for my money are two of the best in the business and a pair that I would not trade for any other pair in the league as far as your perimeter corners go and your perimeter press man corners that they play here. But of course, with Needham and Igbo in the entire room. But speaking of playing well in practice, the orange jersey, what has the impact of that been so far here? With the Miami Dolphins. Oh man, the crazy boy. I just today I just end up hearing about the orange jersey. What it mean? You know, everybody been busting their butt, man, trying to get the orange jersey. Um, hopefully, I'm gonna be in that jersey soon. I have no doubt that Xavier Howard will be in that jersey sooner rather than later. And that answer kind of reminds me of my newest favorite little anecdote, and it came from HBO's Winning Time, the great show on the '80s Lakers, the rise of the uh, Showtime Lakers, and John C. Riley, who does everything well is Jerry Buss, and he's talking about the first, I think it's a four-minute mile ever ran and how it wasn't some world-class athlete, but rather a scientist with a very mundane skill set of athletic traits and how he proved that endurance running was more of a mindset, more about the mental aspect of it. And I can speak from experience on this one, actually, because I used to jog every day, but that was some time ago. And into that retirement, my wife and now was girlfriend at the time. Maybe I was trying to impress her at the time. I don't know what I was thinking. Convinced me to run a 5K with her. I was so out of cardiovascular shape. But running with other people around you and that desire to compete, I was able to run the whole thing and I wound up clocking a time that was probably better than any of my other three mile plus runs I ever did before that when I was just running by myself with you know a podcast or music in my ears. Under 25 minutes, it was like 24.56 was my time. Now, I felt it the next day, but it was a mental thing. I could push myself because people around me. And if the orange jersey can subconsciously produce even just a 1% better practice, what a great thing that is, right? 
So X also talked about Tyreek Hill, how he's glad he's on the team and doesn't have to cover him in games ever again, and how they can get each other better. He talked about Tua saying, quote, he's bombing it, doing his thing. I feel like he's just getting better. There's a lot in there for Tua, end quote. He was also asked about Cedric Wilson and said that he saw him make a lot of plays on film in Dallas and that he expects him to do the same thing here. Let's go ahead and finish up here with X before we get to Melvin Ingram here, who was asked about the return of Josh Boyer and the retention in large part of this Dolphins defensive staff. Man, it was great. You know, um, I, I say um, having somebody who know what, what the defense that played on, was, that was on the defense last year, you know, and just know what we've been doing and uh, keep trying to keep that and add a little bit more to the roster, add, add a little bit more to the plays. And as we mentioned earlier, a defense that was top 10 in some of the most important categories, sacks, takeaways, and passing touchdowns allowed. And speaking of pressures, takeaways, and pass defense, Melvin Ingram has been making it tough on opposing offenses for a decade now. Now in Miami, which happened to be his late father's favorite team, and it was a lifelong dream of George Ingram to see his son play for his favorite team, the Miami Dolphins. And Melvin said he knows his dad is smiling down right now and looking down on Melvin very happy. How cool is that? But there's more to why Melvin is here. Here's what he liked for the Dolphins organization. Uh, everything from from the training staff to the coaches to the to the people up top, the players, everything, man. It's a first class organization. And it's just something I wanted to be a part of. And it's been a blessing to, to, to even be here. We've heard that a bunch this offseason, haven't we? Melvin also said he's 200% healthy, feels amazing, ready to rock. And one thing I thought was really cool to see him get around the other guys and just get out there and help out before he's even dressed down in practice. So I asked him about that. Why is it so important to you to be out there and helping out right now when you're not dressed down? Uh, it's, just, it's just getting out there, getting the feel with the guys, uh, just getting into their routine of what they're doing individually and how they like to do it. It's, it's, it's dope to be out there with them. And never mind the construction here in the background, but speaking of his teammates, what does Melvin think of new teammate Jalen Phillips? He a dog, man. He got a chance to be he got a chance to be special. He definitely got a chance to be special. And the way he go about his work, I like the way he go about his work. He come to work every day and he put that work in, and I, I definitely admire that. So there you go, two of the longer tenured defensive stars in this league, Melvin Ingram and Xavier Howard. We're going to take our last break and come back on the other side and hear from Connor Williams as well as Duke Riley. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Back here on a Monday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, let's go ahead and pick it right back up with more media availabilities and hear from a newcomer, Connor Williams, and his uh, first year here, and first with his answer, playing with his new head coach, Mike McDaniel. Uh, he's definitely a player's coach. I mean, he's a he's a fairly young guy, and he uh, he understands the the uh, vibe around the room and uh, what all the players want and uh, what the players need. And I think he uh, really reaches us on that level. And so, um, a guy at that like that, at the end of the day, you're going to willing to go bat for him. And of course, one of the things that's standing out to these players, and another theme of this mini camp, has been the music and the players' role as DJ with the orange jersey. What does Connor think about that so far? I mean, we're in Miami, man. It's a place of soul, and I think it's coming out out here. You can feel it. You can see it. You know, uh, teams coming together, the players coming together. You know, being able to come out and play whatever you want. I mean, that's a it's a fun day. We've also heard Liam Eikenberg, Teron Armstead, and you know. Eichenberg referred to Mike McGlinchey at the 49ers talking about how this offensive system can kind of benefit the offensive linemen and in particular the athletic offensive linemen, which we know Connor checks those boxes. Does he agree with that? How does it help his game as an athlete and play faster and easier up front on the offensive line? 
Uh, most definitely, it gives um, it gives O line a lot of flexibility. You know, um, being able to move, get out in space, um, and get putting the defense on the heels. And so it, it's been, and you've definitely been able to see it the first month in camp. Speaking of Armstead and Liam Eikenberg. First, he was asked about playing with Teron Armstead. Then we'll get a follow-up about playing with Rob Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, and Austin Jackson here from Connor Williams. Just a savvy vet, you know. He's a he's a consistent guy. He's a, he's a good. I mean, he's an amazing player. And just uh, being in the locker room for his teammates, um, he's fitting into the culture well. And I mean, I, everybody's already leaning on him. And now Rob, Liam, and Austin. I mean, they're they're all great players. I mean, they come in day in and day out and work their tail off. And I mean, you couldn't ask for any better lineman to play next to on the line. And so just uh, happy to be a part of the group. Let's get to one more player here, veteran Dolphins linebacker Duke Riley, who brings the juice every single day at practice. And Connor talked about the energy that Riley brings every single day. And we talked about that on the last podcast, too, didn't we, about how he comes off the pile. And I'm using air quotes around pile because... It's not actually a pile, but just tag off, stay on your feet, get the heck out of there. But he's always coming off, jumping around, pumping his fist, playing with a lot of energy. And with that, we'll go ahead and finish up with Duke, who talked about the orange jersey here during Dolphins practices. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a funny thing, too. You know, you, you, you hear uh, different guys, you know, because a lot of guys coming from different cultures and backgrounds. So you get to, you know, tool one day. We got to hear Hawaiian stuff. We got to hear some uh, Houston stuff, some, you know, obviously some Florida, some Louisiana, you know, uh, people from that's Wayne fans and stuff like that. But it's, just, it's, it's good, you know, because and once you get the orange jersey, you get to pick your music and nobody can't tell you nothing. So the only way they can tell you something is by getting the orange jersey. So it's kind of a competitive thing to want to um, get the jersey and want to be the guy playing the music and want to be the guy who bringing their own energy to the practice. So it's a, uh, it's a great thing that we uh, that uh, coach has going for that with that. And then next, I thought this was a really cool answer from Duke about what he might work to improve on this offseason. Let's go ahead and let Duke just do the talking here for us because it's a really good answer here from the Dolphins linebacker. I'm, I'm improving in every space that I can. You know, I'm uh, six years in, and I, f- I feel like I'm obtaining and I'm, I'm a sponge. You know, I try to get us and soak up as much information, whether it's not even just learning my position anymore, learning what these guys do and how they do their hands placement, learning, learning the corners technique for one of our in man covers, learning the safety, knowing everybody's position on the team. Um, it's going to be one of the things that uh, that's helping me more, like understanding the game. The game's starting to slow down for me a little more, um, being that I'm six years in. And um, I think that's, that's, that's going, going really well for me. Really cool stuff there. He also talked a little bit about Tua, and we heard Tua talk about how hard that he is on himself. Duke said that when you tell Tua good job, that Tua's going to respond, yeah, thanks, but let's go ahead and do it even better next time. thought that was kind of cool to get some, you know, confirmation on what Tua told us about just kind of how his on on practice, on field type of persona is. Back to the defensive side, let's go ahead and finish up here with Dolphins linebacker Duke Riley. When he was asked about the benefit of the continuity on defense with personnel, and the coaching staff. Just kind of picking up where we left off at. Well, you know, it's a new season and you got new guys. You, you, you're changing calls and you're doing things. And so it's a lot of it's a lot of, a lot of similarities of things from last year. And it's a lot of new things that we're putting in to help, help us from the things that we could have got better at last year. So um, it's good to have everybody uh, back. You know that to go one and seven and then to win seven straight, you got guys who going to fight for each other you know it's, it's rare that that happened I don't even I think it might have been the first time it happened I don't know if it was ever or something like that to go one and seven and win seven straight so you know you got guys that um, 
want to play for each other, one, and care about each other. So that's a uh, really good feeling to have as a defense. You know, we're building so much trust because I know this, I know how this guy's going to play this block. I know how this um, guy's going to set the edge. I know where I need to be. So it's kind of like a thing that we have of just working with each other. And um, even having a lot of guys here during the OTAs was something rare that we had too. You know, a lot of guys are here, and usually you don't have that as well. All right, there you go. We Duke Riley, Connor Williams, Xavier Howard, Melvin Ingram, some deep ball talk. But before we get out of here, I want to open up the doors to one of my favorite places on earth, the recommendation station once again. We're getting to that point in the calendar where football might take a backseat to some other content. It certainly will for me in summer months. But with this one, you know, I'm sure there's lots of shows and movies you guys watched over the weekend. A very wet weekend down here in South Florida with the tropical storms. Hope you all stayed safe, but... My recommendations, you probably know them by now because I talk about them a lot, but inside the Bo Burnham special, he produced an hour-long follow-up special called The Outtakes. And just the themes of it, the way he built the YouTube-type video with fake ads and, you know, just Bo Burnham-level content, it was pure brilliance. You know, inside was like, in my opinion, a important part of American culture fabric that we'll look back on in decades as a true masterpiece. But the outtakes version was, you know, more comedy, more of the moments of insanity that he kind of captured of himself during the pandemic, making weird ass noises and things like that, sprinkled in between some more hilarious and genius songs that we've come to know from him. And the podcast parody, it's a Joe Rogan parody, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. So check that out. Also, Barry on HBO is coming to its season three conclusion, which kind of feels like it might be the last in the series, but what a great show. It's getting even better, and I can't wait to see how that concludes. And the final six episodes of Better Call Saul start next month, so you have, I think, like 35 days to get through five and a half seasons if you have not seen the show before, before the final episodes, which to me has a chance to overtake Breaking Bad as the best show ever, depending on these final six episodes. How about a local restaurant recommendation? If you're in Broward, specifically the Pines and Miramar area, right off the turnpike, the Red Road exit and on Miramar Parkway is the best Italian restaurant I found down here. And it's tucked away in a strip mall. It's called Amici Trattoria Italiana. I hope I got that right. Probably didn't, but we're going to go with it. Great portion size. The chicken palm is exceptional and they have really good garlic knots too. So check them out. And that is going to be my time on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We have practice again tomorrow. So we'll have another podcast for you guys covering that. And then one on Friday as well before we transition to, I believe, our summer schedule, which I'll provide an update for you guys on that in the podcast coming ahead. But in the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. And of course, our weekly Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday at 8 o'clock. That might go bi-weekly now coming up on the summer months. The YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. Drive time, sit downs and the like. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, daddy's coming home. Are you
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.